Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. It feels like I've been gone a while because we didn't have the show yesterday and we didn't have the show Friday. So it's kind of having a little bit of podcast withdrawals. But we are here today. I know we're at a different time, but I have an international guest. So we were flexible with the timing just to make sure she's not up at like two o'clock in the morning her time. So if you are brand new to the show, welcome to Shut Up and Grind. This is episode number 184. And we talk about overcoming obstacles, defying the odds. We tackle every possible topic that's out there because at the end of the day, everyone has a story to tell. Everybody is going through something at some point. And so the main focus of today's show is going to be gender stereotypes in the workplace and at home. But before we get there, if you're joining me on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, trying to build up the audience over there on that platform. If you're joining me on Facebook, please like and share. Or if you're joining on the audio platform, wherever you get your podcasts, I'll be there. Just look up Shut Up and Grind. And then please review if you love everything that you're going to hear, because I know you're going to, because that's how we do. And if you're curious as to who am I and why should you invest an hour listening to me, here's a little snippet of who I am. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of front of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. And that's me. All right. So in lieu of today's teachable moment, I have an announcement to make. So I've been talking about my new program, Speak About Yourself Out Loud. I've been talking about it for over a year. And why over a year? Because I kept screwing it up. And so I screwed it up enough to where I think I have it right now. And so I got a website under construction. I got the press release being written. 
and it's going to be launched very, very soon. So what it is, is how to step into your greatness using your life's stories to help you empower others, to help you heal yourself, and to help you never fear public speaking again. So what does all of that mean? So when the gyms were shut down and the whole world went virtual, I, I discovered something. So as I sat in all these Zoom meetings and all these Zoom masterminds and coaching groups, people are really bad at introducing themselves and describing what they do for a living. Really, really bad at it. And so I started reaching out to people saying, hey, I can help you not be as bad at it if you like. And so I started connecting with people on Zoom and Speak About Yourself Out Loud was born. Like there was definitely a need for it. So I went through and I put a program together. The first push is going to be to help people dealing with trauma slash PTSD. Now, I am no doctor. So if you need medical help, that's not what this is for. But if you've just been through something, it could be a divorce. It could be the loss of a loved one. Just whatever trauma you have been through and you're ready to tell your story, that's what this program is for. It helps you take what happened to you and we help you map out the comeback and we, we extract the teachable moments from what happened to you. So those of you who listen to your show on a regular, you know, I talk about the passing of my father all the time. And yes, from him getting his diagnosis to him getting sick, to him losing all the weight, to him losing strength, and then to him ultimately passing, there's a lot of good that happened within there. So if we only just focus on the bad, then we're never going to heal from what happened. So this program is to help you process what happened, extract the lessons, inspire other people while you're healing yourself. Okay? So, like I said, when this drops, I will let you all know, but this is going to be a game changer. Game changer. There's nothing else like this, like this particular setup on the market. So... Those of you that have speaking programs out there, I'm coming to disrupt the game. All right. So, as I said, my guest is in Australia. And I believe you are the ninth or tenth guest that I have from Australia. All right. So, we're going to talk about breaking the gender code. And so, what we know to be true is that having women in leadership positions will make a difference to your business performance and bottom line. You may have programs in place, offer flexible working, and provide professional development. But the truth is, if a person does not believe in their own capabilities and that their contribution is valuable, they will not bring all of who they are. Their untapped potential and true discretionary effort to the table and is most likely due to the gender code. And we're going to talk about what all that means with my guest, Danielle Dobson. Hello. Hi, Robert. How are you? Hi, everyone. Great to be here. <laughs> See, I love speaking with guests from, from Australia because you're in the future. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, in Thursday, actually. Exactly. So, yes. <laughs> See, this is Wednesday afternoon here and you're in Thursday morning already. <laughs> it's great. It's looking good. <laughs> I love it. So what, what part of Australia? I'm near Sydney. Sydney, Sydney. Uh, New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. Sydney. Great part right. of the world. <laughs> so have you heard of an event called the Transplant Games? No, tell me about no. it. Okay, so it's for organ organ recipients, organ donors, and deceased donor families. 
they get together and have like an Olympic style competition. Mm. And so I, I gave a kidney to, to my sister in 2011. So I've been competing in the U.S. games. And then the World Games was supposed to be this year in Houston, Texas. So I was like, awesome. I'll get to represent Team USA. And the games are actually going to be here in the States. But then COVID came and took that all away. But 2023 games, guess where they are? Sydney? In Australia. (laughs) So I don't know if they're in Sydney, but I know that they're in Australia. Mm, (laughs) So. Brilliant. Oh, what well, what's your event? What's your orbit? I'm, tra- I'm a track and field man. So I do the, the hundred meters, two hundred meters, high jump and long jump. Mm, brilliant. Yes. Excellent. Oh, how exciting. I I didn't even know about it. So I'm gonna look it up now and yeah. Please come. You, yes. everyone's welcome. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, like that's obviously always been on my on my list. To, to visit there. I know this is going to sound sound silly, but I used to watch The Crocodile Hunter growing up. Ah, uh, yes. Steve Irwin. Yes. So, like, I oh, just from watching that, like, I, I got to get I gotta get there to go go visit. It just looks like an amazing place. Yeah, absolutely. I, it is. Yep, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about you. All right, so how would you describe yourself? Mm, I would describe myself as very curious. Um, I have a really big focus on growth. I need to be growing and moving and um, continuously improving in everything that I do. I'm pretty resourceful and I use, you know, what I have to the best of my ability um, and uh, yet warm, uh, passionate about what I do, uh, loving mother, friend, uh, partner, and, yeah, love, love a bit of risk-taking and adventure and that sort of thing. That's how I describe myself. Nice. See, I love it. Have, have you been paying paying attention on the episodes when people describe themselves and they like give me their resume? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, I didn't ask what you do for work. <laughs> so well, I was I was watching your clip beforehand. And I'm like, all right, okay, I gotta I'm gonna make sure it's good. Um, <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> so you warmed me up. So thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, that means you did your homework. That's good stuff. <laughs> all right. So, so when you say curious, did you always have that? Like as a child, were were you that curious child? Mm, absolutely. Always very curious. Uh, always asking a lot of questions. And I think it's, I, I'm curious because I need to make meaning out of things. So, um, you know, had to, had to, you know, make sure that I knew um, what I was doing and, and the why behind yeah. everything. Um, and you, I, don't, I don't know if you've looked at Gretchen Rubin's um, four tendencies, but I'm, I'm a um, questioner. So in terms of how I respond to question, uh, to um, expectations. I I need to understand and make the meaning in it. So I think that's why I ask questions. So yeah, it's just like, why do we do it like that? Can we do something different? So yeah, all, always very curious when I was younger. Yeah, I, like I tell people, <laughs> and some people that know me know me, they can see it. So people that I meet like on this platform and stuff, where, where like most of everything I say is positive, Mm-hmm. Like I clashed with every single boss I've ever had, every mm-hmm. single one. But mm-hmm. it came by to what you just said. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's a better way to do this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So especially in the corporate environment, where it's all right. I need you guys to do X, Y, Z. It's like, but that's dumb. <laughs> it's like yeah. if we did, yeah. if we just do it this way, we'll get it done half the time. 
Like, mm. well, that's how corporate wants it. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just can't jump on board with things that don't make sense. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. to go. So hard. It's so hard for yourself and then to inspire and lead others when, you know, the why isn't articulated or and people aren't on board with what makes sense. So everyone. Yeah. (laughs) So were were you born and raised in Sydney? No, I actually grew up in the Yarra Valley in near Melbourne. So in the state below us in Victoria. Um, And yeah, just a tiny little blink and you miss it town in a, in a rural area where there was it's a big wine uh grape growing area now so lots of wines and stuff but um there was orchards or still these orchards of you know cherries and and stone fruit and apples and um so when i lived there in the 80s and uh 80s to a bit of the 90s it wasn't so cool as what it is now it was like <laughs> at the end of the train line you know you had to catch a bus or a car um it was, but it was idyllic. It was so great. We would just go out in the bush and um, play on the road. It was an unmade road. We didn't have like concrete road. Um, jump on our bikes, playing outside all the time, playing with my two younger brothers, you know, AFL footy and cricket and um, just, you know, making jumps for our bikes and cubby houses and stuff. So, yeah, it was, it was lovely. Great place to grow up. That's awesome. I love it. And now the, the seasons are different from ours here in the States, right? Like you guys are in summer now? Yes, complete okay. flip. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because here we're cold. Yes. <laughs> don't, let, don't let the tank top fool you. My hands yeah. are freezing right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your heat is up really high. <laughs> yes. See, my, my home office is in the basement. So, oh, like, all the, all the heat is up there. There's, like, a probably a 12-degree swing between down here and up there. Oh, gosh. Well, actually, I, I lived in the States for three years, lived and worked there in, in Pittsburgh. Um, okay. We might get to that later, but um, oh. I know, I, yeah, cold. is It's cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's totally, yeah. All right. So, so I did a quick look. The, the 2023 Transplant Games is in Perth, Australia. Ah, Perth. Okay, great. That's the other side. That's oh, it's okay. like um, just say uh, you're in, you know, Miami, then that's like being in San Diego. Okay, gotcha. It's, yeah, yeah. It's that yeah. kind of width, distance, yeah. Okay. All right, so how would you describe your upbringing? Mm, very um, pleasant, like, not pleasant. It was it was tough, actually, like challenging. I've got two younger brothers, and um, and I often I reflect on it now. We we played a lot together. We, did, we argued and fought quite a bit. Um, my mum was at home she was a stay-at-home mum while I was in like elementary school and then when I went to high school she went back to work and then so I was the oldest looked after the boys so we had like one week I was a kid who didn't even make their bed the next week I'm looking after my brothers after school um getting the dinner ready ready tidying the house all that sort of stuff and so being a latchkey kid and then looking after my brother's holidays all that sort of stuff it was just this massive um massive shift without any kind of coaching or support through it just a whole lot of expectations um but I saw her working really really hard so I wanted to relieve the pressure for her a little bit and although my brothers weren't on board they were very messy and wouldn't do what I said I don't know why the boys are a pain that's why they wouldn't come along um but it, and it's interesting because when I reflect on it, that really defined 
the rest of my life because I, I thought I, I didn't really like this difference, like with my mum not being at home. Um, and when I really needed her in my, and I'm focusing only on my mum, which is unfair because my dad worked a lot too, but I was used to having her at home and then going through those tricky teenage years and all that sort of stuff, it just seems she's always tired and, and that sort of stuff, always listen to me. But, um, and so I just, I vowed to myself, I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a, a job or a career that I'm going to be around for my kids when they get home as much as I can. I'm going to be present and all those things. But I actually worked out years later that it wasn't that my mum wasn't physically there. She just didn't have the emotional well to, you know, it was part of that as well. But it really, yeah, so that really formed me. But then also I thought, because I didn't want my kids to, to have the same thing, but then also when I reflect, it really made me who I am, like, you know, determined, resourceful, um, focused, um, you know, organised, you know, being able to manage a bigger picture. So it's it's the, you know, the pros and the cons, and I think it's what, what we end up taking away and what we value the most around it and also accepting that it, it's who we are. So, um, yeah, so, th so that was interesting. But then, yes, had a lot of arguments with my brothers and um, but actually... It, that was another good thing at the time I didn't realise, but it set me up perfectly to work in the corporate world, like, you know, the, the a, a world created, you know, for men by men. I'd learnt all the strategies that I needed. I learnt to play the games. I, I learnt to, well, treat it, not play it, but treat everything as a game and less about me sort of thing and um, being able to hold my own and that sort of thing. So... It was a really great training ground, but as yeah, as soon as I um, after college actually, because I could, but I, as soon as I could could, I was out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I was out of there. <laughs> All right. So, what did you see yourself doing as a, as a career? Like, did you have a dream a dream job when you were mm -hmm. younger? Or was it? I, I sure did. I wanted to be a journalist. Um, okay. And like my dad was a, a printer or a typesetter, so he would make these little, when you used to have the letterhead sort of pieces of paper and you'd bring it home with, um, we lived on a street called the uh, called English Street and um, he, we called it the English Street Gazette and it was just head, heading there and then just blank paper and I'd go around the street and ask people for any news items <laughs> when I was about in elementary school. Yeah. Um, and then I did a newspaper for my um, elementary school as well in, in the last few years of that. And I just did a few editions and put it in the um, in the library. I, I don't know if it's still there now. Just for no reason, just because I wanted to. Um, I did work experience at one of Australia's biggest newspapers. I was the editor of my college magazine for two years, chief editor, and then, it, and then I ended up being an accountant. <laughs> It's so, funny, it but I think it was just I went the safe route, really. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I I just I would you know that's that was my dream job to be writing stories, interviewing people, um, you know, traveling, 
investigating all those things. So that was my, yeah, yeah. it was my dream job. So what, I mean, this, this is going to veer off topic for a second, but what are, your, what are your thoughts on what the news has become? Yes. <laughs> that that uh, initial reaction said it all. <laughs> yeah. It, so an interesting thing, so and I, I think it's similar in the States. We've got 60 Minutes as well. And 60 Minutes used to be, you know, the gold standard sort of program to have in-depth interviews and, um, you know, be something that you can rely on. Um, I, was a, I was overseas for nine years and I came back and I couldn't believe how much it had deteriorated to sort of check book journalism and that sort of thing. And and then I went into it and I looked, you know, looked at what news directors were writing and stuff like that. And they've just said that, you know, that they're, they're just focusing on what the audience kind of wants or how they want to, um, you know, stimulate them. And and, and also I, I came back and I was like, the, the news, like the news programs, it was like news, you know, a, a, a something, a, a story that would make you sad or, you know, upset or whatever. And then in the ads, in the commercial break, there'd be something to ease your pain, you know, by the sponsors. So whether that's, you know, chocolate, we have, you know, betting and gambling here. Um, yes. You can do that online. Um, you know, alcohol, well, not necessarily alcohol, but, um, you know, so a soft drink or something like that. And then take you back to more sad news and then give you something from the sponsors to ease your pain again. It was just this, this yeah, and then and then also I guess the big 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 challenge is looking at their business models like uh, media, and I think that's yeah. the biggest problem um, worldwide because you know you look back at the newspapers and a lot of how they got their sponsorship um, and and their revenue was through the classified ads, like people would all advertise in those, and then you'd have you know, other sponsors and that sort of stuff. As soon as that started, and then they could actually be um, more balanced with the news or really investigate it. They, they weren't serving masters or wanting clicks, you know. So I think that whole, the model, because the revenue models changed so much, the, you know, how they deliver the news has, has changed so much. And then it's hard to know who to trust now. So I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah what about you? Are, well, a lot yeah. of them are backed by by the politicians. Mm. That's mm. that's the thing. Like you can tell if you have a left leaning station or a right leaning station. You can tell how mm. the things are being displayed. So mm. you can have. Mm -hmm. I was showing my daughter, my my older daughter, this one day. You know, we watched a left leaning uh, station. I was like, see, and then we watched about ten minutes, and we switched over to the right leaning station. I said, mm. same the exact same story. Being displayed two different ways. Mm. <laughs> I said, "This isn't news. This is called, mm. uh, you know, passing your ideology <laughs> along yes. to your fan base. So, like that's what it is." You know? I love so, it that you did that. That is because I, I think that doing that with your daughter, that is the best gift. One of the best gifts we can give them in in, um, in addition to health and well being. But it's that awareness, uh, critical thinking. And yes. and observation, it is golds. Yeah, well done. Good on you for doing that. More parents should do that. I wish I wish I would. So yeah, because awesome. so many people are so quick to just follow the crowd. 
Just mm. whatever whatever I see on TV, that has to be true. It's like, ah, oh, no, that's what makes them money. Mm. <laughs> like mm. the media, big pharmacy, that's like the biggest money grab of our generation. Absolutely. <laughs> they give you a little bit of truth, but most of it's propaganda. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> and so you look, like, I, this is what I say to my boys too. It's like, you, you follow the money. So wherever... <laughs> So wherever the money's coming from, that's the master. So just follow the money trail, look at their revenue model. Um, yeah, because that's that's the fuel that keeps the, the, the machine going. Um, so wherever that's coming from, you know, start with that. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Have you heard of a ticker newsroom there in, in Australia? Yes, yes. Yeah, I was actually on that four, four times. Oh, right. It was, it was supposed to be a fifth one, but I think it was like five minutes before I was supposed to go on. Then the producer calls me and said, Australia just went back into a full lockdown. Like, we have to cover the breaking news. I was like, ah. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh. I get it. Go ahead. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You've been but, bumped. Yes, yeah, I'm bumped <laughs> on that one. So it's all good. All right. So take me through. So you go through college, you finish college. What was your first job after college? Yeah, I, accounting. And and this is the interesting thing that I was thinking, oh, I'll just do this, you know, business degree, like majoring in accounting, um, just to have a degree. At, um, yeah, just like a college degree, but I'm not going to do this um, for a job. But um, at the time, we were having a recession in Australia, like a massive recession. So around about 1990, I'm not sure if there was one in the States, but our Prime Minister famously said it was the recession we had to have. So we were in the middle of a recession. I was, uh, you know, two years out graduating and there were just no, hardly any jobs going, you know, around. And I, while I was in college, I worked in a, in a local fruit shop in Seville, the little town I grew up in. And one of the customers who I knew fairly well and came, had a great sort of rapport with, he, one day just came out of the blue and he said, do you want to, do you want a job as an accountant? I, I need an assistant accountant. Do you want to come for an interview next week? And um, I was like, oh, okay, might as well. So I interviewed for the job and got it. And then I was like, oh, all right, might as well. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, ha there's no jobs happening. Yeah. And so I did my last year um, part-time and I worked there four days a week. I still worked in the fruit shop as well. Um, and I thought it would just be, a, you know, a stepping stone to something else. And But um, I didn't find it particularly hard or challenging or um, it's just sort of something I did. And it just led to more and more opportunities and before I know it I'm you know I manage like a you know group accountant for a um, engineering services firm in in Melbourne um, you know doing all these things leading people um, I went to the states for some training and stuff and um, yeah so just kind of things just fell into place but I don't you know I, I guess of course, I was in the driver's seat, but um, it wasn't. It just did not tick my meaning and purpose boxes. It was 
all about the people that I was working with because I, you know, I calculated the bonuses, I knew all the numbers, I interviewed all the execs for their, um, you know, budgets and, and, you know, grilled them and that sort of thing. So for me, that's what it was all about. You know, I was saying before, follow the money trail. And that's what was the biggest driver for everything they all did, um, bonuses and, and um, salary. So that didn't really feel that meaningful for me. But it, the great thing is that it took me all over the world. So I've lived and worked in five countries. And um, the first one was the UK. I lived and worked there. I worked for a you know, major publishing company um, and um, uh, uh, Thompson Reuters uh, worked there. I lived and worked in Italy for a bit, um, in right in the middle of Italy called Terni, a little place there. And would you would you believe I actually did the Italian language for throughout high school? So I actually did know how to speak Italian. Um, nice. So there, and then America for three years. Uh, lived in Beijing. That was a bit later, but so it you know being a CPA. You can get a job pretty much all over the world, you know, many, many places. So as much as it wasn't, it didn't really light me up, it, it provided a lot of brilliant opportunities. And and when you, you know, live and work in another country and you you see things through other people's eyes, it, it you know, it changes you, it opens things up completely, you know, perspective and empathy. And I think especially when you've got to set up your life, you know, like rent a place, get a bank account, pay your bills, you know, navigate the day-to-day. -day -day. And in particular when you live in countries where English isn't the first language. So when I lived in Italy and then China. And what I realised is that my, my command of the Italian language, like um, communicating with people that I was working with and people in town, it wasn't the ref true reflection of who I was and my personality because I, I wasn't fluent. Yeah. And so people would never know my my true uh, personality because I wasn't able to express it through, you know, verbally in, in yeah. another language. So that really made me think a lot about people who come from other countries into my um, home country, into Australia. And it really help me understand that too that you know that if they don't have you know uh, if they're not fluent in english then i might be judging them on their command of english whereas there's a much there's much more to that person in their mother tongue you know that expression that communication so that that was life changing and then the same thing happened in beijing which i didn't i was very poor at it i yeah i had to learn on the go and and that sort of stuff. So, I, you know, it, it gave me a lot of opportunities to learn a lot about myself and others and how the world works. So, yeah, CPA was still good. <laughs> I had some thoughts on that, that as well. But one thing that drives me nuts, when people don't speak English and then other people just speak louder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. can you open the door like yeah, yeah. just because you yell it doesn't make them understand it yeah, <laughs> that happens great. here so often and, oh it bothers me <laughs> yeah and I, I guess it's it's not having that um awareness or going through that experience yourself like being on the other end of it you yeah. know like and it's different going on holiday 
because you know you're going back to your you know, sorry vacation. So it's different to when you go into vacation somewhere because you know you're you have a role as a tourist, but when you have a role as someone who needs to assimilate or be part of the community, yeah. um, you have a different positional role there. Um, so it's it's really it's really important. Yeah, I think to yeah understand that that it's not it's not a disability. It's <laughs> it's um it's just a different kind of competency or something. So yeah, it yeah, and if and I think the thing too that if you know asking people rather than assuming is is one of my biggest lessons in life. You know, um, you know rather than assuming they can't hear it or whatever, but just asking. You know, so. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the one of the biggest things you just said was you know you were able to travel travel the world live in five different countries, but it wasn't checking the meaning and purpose boxes, and mm-hmm. that that is a huge reason why I started this show because mm. I had dreams myself, and you know like I, I wanted to be on TV. That that's why I was asking you your thoughts about how the news be become because I saw myself mm. being like the sports anchor you know because mm-hmm. I love sports I said oh I would love to do that with my personality I can get up there and make it all nice nice and you know then I ended up managing restaurants for 15 years mm-hmm. <laughs> but but just, but just as you you know articulated the things that that you learned and were able to experience in your time as an accountant it was the same thing with me in the restaurant like I learned hiring mm-hmm. I learned firing I learned sales forecasting I learned income statements profit and loss statements you know I learned how to how to become a leader how to give meetings give staff meetings like that's really where I became a motivational speaker was in that mm-hmm. environment without mm-hmm. even really knowing it was a thing mm-hmm. <laughs> but I really didn't and so that being captain of my sports teams, you know, the discipline it takes to become an All-American athlete in track and field. So it's like I was setting up the stage for all these things. But what happens? I, I dropped out of college. And then so mm-hmm. people tell you if you don't have a college degree, you're going to be stuck pumping gas or flipping burgers. So mm-hmm. I had that. Yeah, people suck here in the States. <laughs> so, but it's like I, I let that define me though even though i had all of this raw talent it's like well i don't have a degree so what can i do mm. and then next thing you know i can do whatever i want to <laughs> so, so just, just started doing stuff and things started happening you know start started making some side money so i joined a marketing mastermind i joined the branding mastermind i, I joined one on how to write media pitches and how to pitch to journalists and just started learning all this other stuff. And so now when I talk to people and, and I tell them, Oh no, I dropped out of college. They're like, what? They're like, well, how do you know this? How do you know? Oh, Cause I learned it. Like there's other ways to learn things. I said, mm-hmm. there are, there are people now that I mentor that have degrees. <laughs> you know? So it's like, just because you have the degree doesn't mean you know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's That's a different. lot. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Now, I, I think in the States anyway, it's 70% of people with a degree are doing something not in that field. No way. 70%. 70%. Yes. <laughs> so it's craziness. Oh but, but but anyway, I, I just shared that because, again, the purpose of this show is the people who listen are people who were there where you were and where mm-hmm. I was. 
It's like, yeah, you're doing something. You're you're successful. You can take the kids on a vacation every year. You know, you're driving a decent car. You live in a decent house. But it's, I always ask the question, like, are you happy? Mm. And then, then there's a pause. Well, I mean, there are people that have it worse. Like, I didn't ask about them. I said, are you happy? Not content. Not okay with your circumstance. Happy. Like, if your life ended today, are there regrets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, it's like, once I put it to people that way, then it's like, ah, I said, yeah, see, right now you're just coasting. When I was a restaurant manager, yeah, I could afford the house. I could afford the cars. I got two vacations a year. I got all that stuff. But inside, I hated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I hated it. And yeah. now, and I had to take a huge step back. I lost tens of thousands of dollars when I first started my gym because mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing, but I pursued it anyway. You know, I had to get my car repossessed, but I pursued it anyway. You know, mm-hmm. I ruined my, my mom's credit, but I pursued it anyway. <laughs> you know, and yes. and we made it happen. It was ugly. You know, it definitely wasn't ideal, but we did it. You know, and that's what I want people to take away. It may not look the way you want it to look. You may not have enough in savings. You may not have the best credit. You may not have it all figured out, but get started. And then, because once you get started, you can always improve. If you never start, you're never going to have it. That's right. And what was really fueling you, do you think, Robert? Like, what was it? That that belief? Or what was it? It was the, the belief, and this is going to sound silly, but I'm the youngest of seven kids, mm-hmm. and, and we were all athletes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so obviously me being the youngest, the other ones are a lot older than me. They were further along than me, so they were getting all the accolades and all the respect and all the, the newspaper headlines, and I wanted mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's like that's what jump-started it was that. It's mm-hmm. like I got tired of being so-and-so's little brother. Right. It just oh, it ate at me. And even to this day, it still makes my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I just want to be Robert Foster. Yes. I don't want to be Monique's brother. I don't want to be Ralph's brother. I mean, I love my siblings, don't get me wrong. But I didn't like being in their shadow. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hated that. And then that just that just took over my identity. It's like I just be, became a competitor. And mm-hmm. everything I do now, I attack it with a vengeance. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get back to you. Let's talk about this gender code here. Mm-hmm. So 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 when did you start noticing that there were definite gaps in the, you know, just in that area? Well, it's, it's so interesting because when I was actually when I was working um in in the corporate space as a CPA, I didn't really notice it. And I think there's some things that I just uh accepted um as that's how they are or that's how it is. Um, and then I was so determined, you know, on the other end, I'm the eldest, you're the youngest, but I was just so determined to create life on my own terms, you know, that self-determination. I wasn't going to let other people um, determine my destiny sort of thing. So I had that strong sense of self-determination. So with that, sometimes it can, you know, you have the blinkers on or the tunnel vision about what's actually going on. So so it didn't really affect me. Um but then just to backtrack a little bit with the meaning and purpose boxes. So when my eldest son came along, we were living in America at the time in Pittsburgh and um, I was working for a Silicon Valley based company. They were, they were actually in Pittsburgh head office, uh, certain functions. 
And we were moving back to Australia, you know, when he was going to be about five months old. And I decided not to go back because it felt to me that the um, the mission of raising my son and felt a lot more meaningful to me than going back in. And because uh, it just it just didn't fuel me. And, and I think if I had a different job, maybe it would have been different, but I decided... You know, we're in the privileged financial position for me to um, be at home. So I was, I stayed at home and then we moved back to Australia to a totally different place. Like I had to rebuild all our community and, you know, set up our home and that sort of stuff, like a different state, which I'd never lived in before. Yeah. And uh, I call him, say, so Dan, my practice husband, because <laughs> we're no longer together. Yeah. Um he was always traveling, so it was just me and my son. And I just, I couldn't, I feel, felt like I couldn't leave him with anyone. You know, I didn't know. My parents were interstate. My brothers are overseas. Um, and, you know, didn't have care for him. There wasn't a lot available in terms of, you know, childcare. So I I didn't work. I stayed at home and, I, and had two more kids and I did other things as well. But, and I still say to this day, that when I was home with them for that first five years, it was the most on purpose, the most meaningful period of my life. And it for me, it wasn't about, uh, you know, wiping bottoms and changing diapers and, um, you know, doing craft. I don't I didn't do craft and stuff. We did a lot of outdoor stuff. We live near yeah. the beach and stuff. It was about understanding them observing them, watching them, being curious, understanding who they are and then helping them understand who they are. Because, I, you know, going back to what I was saying about career choices, for me it was pretty, if I look back, it was pretty clear that my pathway was something around journalism or something else, very different to accounting. But my parents channeled me down into to, down that route because it was safe and financially, you know, rewarding. But then I felt I feel like they didn't actually see who I was because all the evidence was there yes. that 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 is my was my zone, but they steered me in a different path. So I felt like I wasn't really seen or heard. So I wanted I did I wanted the opposite for my kids. So I found being a hundred percent type of person, I felt the only way I could do that was you know home or or you know being a hundred percent at home, and. Um, so it was, you know, it was about un them understanding who they are, helping them to understand their own strengths and find out their strengths and, you know, the uniqueness of them and helping them to be who they are, not who society thinks they should be or yes. me, you know. And, and that that's difficult too, like being, you know, accepting that, you know, who they are for me to do that first and then helping them to do that. So yeah, so that was kind of, that was my focus for for a while. So I spent a lot of time, um, you know, in the equivalent of the you know the PTA, local sports, you know, coaching, managing, um, being involved in all sorts of groups because I wanted to, you know, be really into the community and understand their world too and their influences and people in their world and role models. Um, but then I I did personal training for a while actually just to as a project I had a little business um, and then I did wellness coaching yes. and um, because I love being part of their transformation but I didn't want to be the reason why people were transforming like when they came to me you know, a couple of times a week 
So I wanted to help them under, you know, understand a way to motivate themselves. So that's why I went into yes. wellness coaching. And that was brilliant. But then there was also, there was, it was like, why can't, there's more to this. Why can't they commit? And most of my clients were women, um, women with children. And, you know, why can't they commit to their own self-care? Because I couldn't quite understand it because it's always been a high value for me. So I, I start the day with, um, with you know, fitness and exercise. I don't fit it around everything else. So yes. for me, I, I was, I, I wanted to find the answers, you know, going back to wanting to find the meaning and, and the curiosity. So, um, and I was working with women in corporate too, and, and they were experiencing the same thing and feeling this tension between, um, you know, feeling like they're not doing good enough at work and they're not doing good enough at home and in the relationships and just, and it was causing, you know, exhaustion, burnout, um, you know, anxiety. So I'm like, what is behind this? It's got to be all related somehow. So that's when I started interviewing women who are leading at work and also leading at home as lead parents. And I interviewed CEOs, CFOs, um, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, um, you know, business award winners, politicians, senior scientists, um, journalists, um, engineers, people in IT, like you name it. And I, it was just going to be a market research project to just understand it a bit more so that I could incorporate it into my programs and my coaching. Yes. But I, it's like, actually, I just kept going and it ended up being 52 recorded interviews. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, like listening to all these stories, you know, I mentioned before about that empathy and that perspective. I had no idea about what some people go through um, and women in particular, and, and in particular, the gender disparities and the inappropriate treatment of women in the workplace and the unpaid labour at home and that really unequal distribution of that. And so once you, you know, the thing is you can put up with things yourself or like I said when I was back in in corporate or you don't really notice them or if you do notice them, you trust yourself to push through or you're too busy to explore it. But when you see other people suffering, it can trigger something deep inside you and you just really compels you to want to do something and ease their suffering and so that's what happened to me so it started as a market research project morphed into a mission and um and I just knew that what I was learning would be really valuable for other people like their you know their tips and strategies and then digging deeper into the origins of the the gender code um and then so and I just felt this duty then to share it and it ended up being the book but I just I discovered that you know there's you know the gender code is this set of default beliefs that we all recognize about the natural differences between men and women, and these beliefs create stereotypes that um, put the put us all into different boxes, so a pink box and a blue box, and according to what box you're in, there's a whole set of rules and expectations, and we're punished and rewarded based on what box we're in. And in particular for, you know, women, it can um, really uh, thwart our, you know, careers, our our relationships, our health and well-being. Yeah, um, let, me, let, me jump, let me jump in for, for a second. All right, you mm-hmm. said boxes, health and well-being. So mm-hmm. we can, uh, I don't want you to lose your train of thought. Because I saw a video now, I've shared this on the, on the show before, but I saw this video and I'll readily admit, over the years, I've been guilty of doing this myself. 
So they showed a video where where the hosts were asking adults, you know, run like a girl. And people are like, people are like this, right? And then sort of right now, throw like a girl. And they're like, you know, like this. And then they asked a group of young girls. They're like, all right, run like a girl. And they all start running like, throw like a girl. And they're like, you know, so, so like, so when in their lifetime is it going to become an insult to do things like a girl? And I was like, Ooh. Mm. I was like, I've, I'll, I'll readily admit, I've said that in my day. Like, man, you're throwing like a chick. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, so that plays right into to what you're saying with those natural stereotypes. Mm. You know, and so mm-hmm. now the majority of my clientele are female. Mm-hmm. And and I, so like I spend every day ask, asking them, like, why do you accept that? Like, why do you accept that? Why do you accept that? You know, even my oldest daughter, when uh, she was dating dating this this boy that just wasn't good for her, you know? Mm. And so, and, and I'm not that dad that's like overbearing, but I'll point things out. I'm like, hey, see what he just said to you? I'm like, that's a red flag. Mm, yes. And so she she went on about maybe a, like a three or four days streak in a row where she was just bawling her eyes out. Oh. And so... And now with my oldest son and my oldest daughter, their mom isn't around. They she hasn't been, you know. So mm-hmm. it's just just me. And mm-hmm. so I called her over. I said, "Come here." I gave her a hug, and all I said was one sentence: "How much longer are you gonna deal with this?" Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like just because that's how he is doesn't mean you have to accept it. Totally, that's right. You know, it's like you do yeah. not have to accept it, and and I feel feel like that's where you're heading with this. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but per, pretty much that's what it is. Okay, that's the stereotype. Don't accept it. You know, mm. be, being a person of color, there's stereotypes out there. I don't accept them. Mm. <laughs> it's like I don't care what other people do. That's right. not me. Yes. You yes. Know? Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, and and behind that. You know the the stereotyping. Um, it just makes it everything easier to put people in boxes because it it's easier for us to deal with it because you just read the 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 instructions or, or you know on the back of the box and yeah it's easy. What's harder is to uh, ask questions. And I love how you're saying that you, you you know with that curiosity asking questions. You know is that acceptable? Is that okay? Which is brilliant because that that's what I talk about too. And and for some people. It's important to know the why, like how did we get here? And that, that's why I did this deep dive into how we got, you know, evolutionary past, neurobiology, um, anthropology, philosophy, you know, and and, and looking at privilege like, and, and, and domin- you know, dominance. So how we got here. For some people, you just want to know how to make things different. So, you know, that's kind of what I talk about. And, and my book talks about that too, like half of it is understanding you know why we're here how we got here and the impact and then the other half is how to navigate and write your own code so you know your own code for life which sounds like exactly what you do Robert which is <laughs> brilliant but I think sometimes we need to understand what's behind it all um and I think you know ultimately if I could really drill it down our our legal systems our political systems our um you know society all our law, everything that governs us has really is really set up and created to acquire, accumulate, um, and protect resources. So you know, you know, money, 
property, mostly money and property. Um, And so that's how all the systems are set up. And then in terms of the boxes, if you're in the blue box, then you're expected to be the one who's acquiring the, you know, the, the hunter, the competitor, the provider. If you're in the pink box, you're expected to be the carer, the nurturer, the gatherer, uh, the person who is a supporter of the, all the people in the blue box. So because it's supporting the resources, you know, supporting to acquire, accumulate, protect and control resources. So that's how all the systems are set up. So I, I, I when I talk about it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily personal, it's structural. So yeah. That's how our whole systems are set up. And then so we go along with that. The challenge is, so there's so many challenges, but specifically around women, is that women are also providers now as well. Well, we have been for, for centuries, but it just hasn't been as documented. But um, so we're providers, but we're still expected to be carers and supporters and nurturers of the people in the blue box and then provide ourselves, but we don't have, so typically women don't have the support systems and structure in place for them to be a provider. So that's why, so that's why so many women are so exhausted. So, you know, on the verge of burnt out, burning out, because they're still playing the nurturer, carer, supporter role to, to others. And it's not just, you know, people in the blue box, it's, you know, their community, their families, their workplaces, uh, people at their work. But then it's like, who's supporting you? Because the structures aren't set up. So then women have to work harder to create the support structures, you know, around, uh, you know, whether if, you know, professional networking or building your community and building your village. And we, when you when you weren't being a provider, when, when people in the pink boxes were, you know, um, uh, nurturers, carers, you know, where that was a main focus. By virtue of the activities you do, you build your village. So a bit like what I was talking about when I was home with the, with the boys. Um, I was, you know, in the playgroup, up with the school, in the classrooms, canteen, part of the, you know, local soccer clubs. And so through those sort of nurturing and supporting activities, you're building your community which you know to support you but when we're providing as well like when we're working and and we're spending so much time working and providing we're not given we we don't have that opportunity to build the village which is which is a support network so unless you can hire and even you know if you hire nannies or um you know support people and and all those other people to take some of that away um you're still not really building the village to the same extent and your village is is a strength and it's someone it's it's a it's a, a support structure see and you you just brought it all full circle which is why i love starting with the backstory because mm-hmm. that goes back to your mom mm-hmm. switched to a provider mm-hmm. and she wasn't there for the nurturing mm-hmm. and so you created something to address that Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like when you when you think back, that's where it stems from. Mm. You know, and going back to what you said earlier, like there has to be a better way. Yes. Absolutely. And so, so now you're helping people create that better way. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's that's amazing because what what I tell the women I work with, especially in the gym, it's like you're so busy running around for everyone else. What's happening to you? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you are not taking care of yourself, you think you're taking care of others, but you're really not because mm-hmm. your light's not shining. Just like you said when you watched one of my clips, that you could just tell. And when I'm in that element, like you can tell I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. I am happy. I am fulfilled. So you can now have all of me. Mm-hmm. So just because you're present with someone doesn't mean you're all there. Mm-hmm. So, so it's same thing in the restaurants. If I was there 10, 11, 12, sometimes 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And then I come home and the kid's like, Daddy, read me a story. It's like, <sighs> it's like I'll do mm-hmm. it. But I'm not, mm. I'm not into it, mm. <laughs> you know. Yes. So, and, and and the children can feel that, and the people that you're with can feel that. There's so many people that come in the gym, and I'm like, "What's wrong with you today?" It's like you're present, but you're not here. Mm. That, mm. That's a that's a huge takeaway that that people need to understand is when mm. you're in your passion, you're in your purpose. When it checks all of the boxes, you are different. You radiate Mm. differently. Your energy is different. The way you talk is different. And people see that, you know. And so with what you're doing, it's absolutely amazing. Because especially nowadays, like, a lot of women need to hear that. Like, you're not being selfish taking Mm. care of yourself. Mm. (laughs) You are the only one that lives within you. (laughs) You have to take care of you. And then when you do that, especially as a mom, your children see that. Your children Mm. will pick up the habits. Mm. (laughs) You know, it's like if you have unhealthy habits, it doesn't matter if you tell your kids to eat their vegetables. They're watching you. (laughs) And if you don't have the habits, they're going to adopt your habits. Mm. Mm. But I don't understand why that's a hard concept. Exactly. And like my kids know that, like, I've make space in the morning and ever since you know my youngest was probably two or three he's been dressing himself and that because that's when I exercise and um they just know that that's everything that's what I do in the morning it's just part of the day and it would be really tough for me to you know not not do that um and I and there's three of them and there's three boys and they'll all have a different approach though to exercise you know to to what I do they'll all have a different lens and they'll process it differently um so I think you know you you do you your way and 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 live strong like to your values and you know something that Brene Brown says is you know to choose um you know courage over you know convenience you know what's fast fun and convenient you know stick to your values because there's always a cost with convenience always a cost like any form of convenience is a cost um and that that's one of my mum lessons that I have on the fridge but um (laughs) it's it's living that and and just just an example of you know you can be the bit you know you be the best you and your your children will have things to see things differently an example of that was one morning when I was driving them to school years ago um, uh, I was getting flustered and I was, come on, come on, we're going to be late, we're going to be late. And I was a bit mad and that sort of thing. So at night when I picked them up, I said, look, sorry, guys, it's a bit overwhelmed this morning, in a bit of a rush, I had some things to do. It's not okay. Um, I just wanted to apologise. 
And the oldest said, yeah, I couldn't believe how uh, mad you were. Um, not okay, mum. The middle one was like, well, I didn't, it was okay. It, didn't, it was okay, mum. And the youngest one was, what are you talking about? I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like there's three bears, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all going to have a different lens on what you do. So I think modelling, you know, in terms of sticking to your values and who you are and you know that is going to make you the best you is the absolute best example for you, for anyone. So true. So, true. so talk quickly about, about your book because I told you the hour was going to go by fast. Yeah, okay, so the <laughs> So the book, yeah, it's uh, yeah called Breaking the Gender Code, How Women Can Use What They Already Have to Get What They Actually Want. That's the, the title, but I just say Breaking the Gender Code. So, yeah, I released it last year in, in May um, during COVID lockdown here in Australia, the first one. And, uh, yeah, it, it unpacks how, you know, how we got here and, and, and the impact of it and why we need to do something differently. And then the second half of it is a, a framework called the Circle Framework. Uh, which helps to helps you to navigate through the code and build and create your own personal code. So one that isn't in accordance with the expectations, you know, that are unrealistic and all the, the pressures that we face and things like that. And, yeah, I talk about perfectionism, imposter syndrome, um, emotional load, all the standard stuff, having it all, all of those sort of things, um, and, yeah, it's just a really helpful guide. I've also recorded on audio, um, Audible and all those, uh, so that's available there too, because I realised that the person and the people that I wrote this book for, so I call her Rebecca Fletcher, uh, doesn't actually really have time to sit down and read because she's so busy, maybe like a lot of <laughs> uh, clients, Robert, or, you know, women who yeah. come into the gym because they're busy doing stuff. So that's when I said, right, I've got to get this on Audible. So then I recorded it and I... At one of my sons, you know, his part that he played, he did it. And I've got a voice um, actor, a couple of actors to uh, do other bits as well. So it's a bit sort of more um, interactive. And, uh, yeah, so it's been going well. And I, and I think the best thing is it's helped me to, you know, contribute to the conversation and make, you know, make a real difference to how we're, um, you know, how we see each other. And, and my next steps around this are uh, developing, you know, tweaking my program for women um, to include men as well. So not men only, but women and men together. So working together for, for greater outcomes. So because I realised that it's really great to support women. Women absolutely need support, many women. Uh, but to rate, make really real lasting change, we've got to change the structures and the, um, you know, the behaviours and that of, you know, it, the whole context and that absolutely involves men and the people who are in the powerful positions to make the decisions and you know, help us all move forward together so that's so that's for 2022 nice see i'm glad that you said that so going back to the whole stereotype thing mm -hmm. so like with a lot of women's empowerment groups it's like very and, and again, i can't put them all in the same box but they're very anti-men you know, and it's like, it's like to empower women, you don't have to bash men because, you know, regardless of where people think we came from, you know, we're designed to work together. It's like mm -hmm. some, some men have some, some strengths. Women have some strengths. You combine the strengths, you're unstoppable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, that's how that is. Yeah. Because yeah, I actually give 
women's empowerment groups. And I remember when I first started it, right? When I first started it, like my my rationale was because men are part of the equation. Absolutely. So that's like when people, especially here in the States, when people talk about race, they say, oh, you know, white people can't be a part of the discussion. I was like, well, if you're talking about racism, they're kind of part of the they're part of the thing, right? <laughs> so, so, so if if someone has opinions that they want to bring to the table, we should allow all sides to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I feel it's the same there. So, so I was like, I think that you know there are a lot of men that can bring some value to the table, but they're afraid to because of that that stereotype. And so I remember I did the first one. There were 41 women that came. And, you know, I heard some snickers, like, well, why is he here? You know, like, like, I thought this was a women's empowerment group. Like, why is he here? And I had four, I had four w- women speakers and myself, like I was the host. Mm-hmm. So when, when, I, when I opened it, I addressed that I heard that. But I said, you know, you all are here for motivation and inspiration. Why are you judging where it comes from? Mm-hmm. I was like, I haven't even said two words yet. I said, I, I haven't even gotten into my main message and I haven't even presented these four women to come up and speak yet. And people are already judging the outcome of this. Mm-hmm. You know, and then by the time I was done, everyone, everyone was cheering. Some of them were in tears. People were like, thank you. That was amazing. The speakers were amazing. I was like, see, if you're seeking inspiration, be ready to receive it. Mm. <laughs> you know, you have to be ready to receive it. It's like mm. you came in with a defensive posture. So you're like, oh, well, he's, he's a man. He's just going to tell us how we should act and how we should think mm. and how we should this. And that wasn't even close to the case. <laughs> it's mm. like I grew, I grew up with a mom and four sisters. I mean, my dad was there too, but, but, you know, but like with a mom and four sisters in the restaurant industry, I worked with hundreds, if not thousands of women. And now I have two two daughters, and my gym is ninety percent female. My podcast audience is ninety percent female. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of experience working with women. Yes, that's a definite. Yeah. You're, it's a definite pattern. There, there must be something deeper in there. Um, you know, attracting you and and you know, both attracting each other um, because of you know you can make a difference in that space because you understand absolutely having. Four sisters. That's, of course, you understand, like, because they're all different people as well. Yes. Um, and, yeah, being part of a big family as well. Um, and, you know, all your experiences, absolutely perfectly positioned to do the work you do. So, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Much appreciated. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that that's our time. <laughs> I, I feel, feel like we, we could have spoke another hour, two hours on this yeah. subject. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So I, I started doing uh, all-star panels. So um, the next one is full already. But if, if you're in, interested in joining one of those, mm-hmm. I'll get you on some, some round table, some round table discussion. And same thing, we do it free, like we do it free flowing. So mm-hmm. I'll pick a, I'll, I'll pick a, a topic. And then everyone will just share their experiences and their stories about each topic. We do three different rounds, and uh, they've been awesome so far. The first four have have been have been awesome. Like each each one, just brings just another element to the table. And I try to group because there'll be seven of us. It'll be myself plus six six of my my past guests, and I group the people based on obviously based on their background, but based on their personalities as well. 
just to, to, to make sure like it flows it flows well okay. so if you have any in, interest Perfect. in that let me know and Absolutely. i have i have a bunch of podcast friends and some media contacts if you're looking for other shows i can uh, get you in contact with them that'd be great thank you brilliant no problem yeah. so if, if we're not connected on facebook shoot me a friend request and then um i'll, I'll connect you with them on messenger thank you excellent right. right and then give us some final thoughts and then we'll mm. say goodbye Great. Final thoughts. Well, this has been such a brilliant discussion because you actually helped me um, connect some dots as well along the way. So thank you for being curious um, and wanting to make meaning and and, and the why. I think that's a a brilliant skill um, that helps other people and helps ourselves at the same time. So, And that's at the heart of all of the work I do and, you know, my mission to break the gender code for everyone. Thank you. See, going back to what I said in the very beginning about the program that I created and, and with people telling their stories, it's like they, they leave out so many very important details that they don't even realize it's an important detail. Mm-hmm. But but just like what, what you're trying to combat now, like you went through in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I always tell people it's different if you go to high school, you go to college, you know, you get your degree and then you go work in your field. It, it's like, yeah, there's value in that, but it's something completely different with lived experience. Totally. Now, when you're talking to someone, it's like, yeah, you know, you might have a PhD in clinical psychology and you can speak on the educational side of what's going on. But to be like, you know what? I've been there. There's so much more power in that when you're connecting with an audience. Like I've mm. been there, you yes. know. So yes. like, like I said, so just, just make sure you don't leave out that element. Whatever other show you get on, tie those together because mm-hmm. that just magnifies your story and makes it that much more impressive. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, loved it. I loved your your approach, your process. It's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thank you. I'm, I'm going to make, make sure that hits the highlight reel. all right well this has been awesome i'll keep in touch like i said send me that facebook request and then um i'll be in touch okay excellent great all right have a great day thanks robert thank you (laughs) right that was danielle if you are just joining us now make sure you go back and watch the entire thing this was a great discussion i know every show we have great discussions but I'm glad that the trend continues. See, I believe she's my ninth or tenth guest from Australia, and she had a lot of great, great information there. I learned a lot from listening to her, and you will too. So make sure you watch this whole thing. I will be back tomorrow, and we're also doing a show on Saturday. Okay, so I'll be back tomorrow at 11 and Saturday at 11 also, Eastern Time. Have yourself a great day, and shut up and grind. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Until next time, shut up and grind.